Hey everyone, uh, this is uh, episode four versus Media Live on Colin. Uh, we're going to be doing. Uh, I kind of want to stick on the topic of what happened at CNN last week, uh, which was funny because I just, I think with one of you we had talked about Jeff Zucker and his influence over media and tr- enabling Trump in 2016 and NBC and that and that whole thing. And then I think it was two days later or the very next day he was out. I think it was Wednesday because I noted that I was going to take, uh, I did a show Tuesday and I was going to take Wednesday off as a sick day because I just, I lost my voice. I think some of you heard that at the end of the show last week. So I did a podcast and then I did a two hours of call in and then I had a hockey game, which involves lots of screaming and shouting, um, namely at the referees and the families and small children that are watching. And so I was going to take Wednesday off thinking, all right, I'm toast, I'm done. And uh, I got shaken out of bed early with my DMs blowing up and my text messages blowing up. And I was like, oh, I guess we're not taking the day off today. So I'm going to, I'm going to just jump into this. Um, I'm sure a lot of you have thoughts or questions about, you know, if you have any questions about what's going on at CNN. Um, I mean, there's stuff breaking on this even today. Alison Camarota has said that it's been detrimental to her mental health, <laughs> not having uh it, Trump Jr. around the office anymore, I guess, is kind of weird. Um, we have Stelter, who is doing his best Baghdad Bob impression to try and keep the attention on the fact that this was supposedly an undisclosed affair, when we know that there are reports that Stelter won't address that Zucker and Allison Golist were both hand-feeding Andrew Cuomo talking points uh, last year or two years ago as bodies were piling up in New York City. And that's really what this is about. Um, the, the affair, the, you know, the, the open secret, which apparently everyone knew except the public, is if there's a reason they're still focusing on that. And they are trying to push this report uh, into the background because they know how bad that this looks. And then it only comes down to um, it only comes down to um, not being able to hit Fox anymore over the stuff. Um, and they, and CNN, who's always claimed to kind of have a moral high ground has completely lost all of that. And I think that that's also why you're, you're seeing a lot of panic. The other reason you're seeing a lot of floundering on this issue is they can't blame Fox news for any of this. And when your entire business model that Jeff Zucker has set up at CNN is about blaming Fox news for everything, uh, suddenly you have some problems on your hands and they, they don't really know how to handle it. They can ignore it. And, you know, Oliver Darcy can do his plowing ahead act all he wants, but um, it's not really going to go away. They're going to try to make it go away. You're seeing a couple things today. They're going to kind of try to reshape things. We saw that with the hiring of Jonah Goldberg, which I'm sure some of you have thoughts on. And um, we're pretty much just going to go an hour today. That's all I have in me. And so I don't want to take up too much more time, but uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this stuff, um, questions for me you might have on, you know, things I might know about or, uh, you know, just someone who spent a good portion of the last four to five years learning about Jeff Zucker and how he operates and how he's gotten away with, most importantly, gotten away with being pretty much the biggest enabler of Donald Trump on the face of the planet. However you think about Donald Trump, there is no singular uh, single human being walking the face of the earth that is more responsible for Donald Trump's presidency than Jeff Zucker. And that's going back to The Apprentice and enabling his behavior for 10 years at NBC. 
And of course, when Trump ran in 2016, uh, they pumped him up. Several of you might remember just CNN airing empty podiums while ignoring, you know, other GOP candidates speeches or Hillary speeches. Whether or not that makes a difference, I don't know. Um, but I'm sure helped him. Uh, Trump got, you know, the tune of $5 billion in free media in 2016, and we all know why. Um, and Jeff Zucker had a huge part to do with that. So um, I wrote a piece at Spectator, and as I said on my podcast, just good riddance to this guy. It's, it is really interesting to watch the firefighters you know, Camarota, Acosta, Stelter, Tapper, all just sit here and lament the exit of this guy when they all know who he is. And they kind of ignore his, Jeff Zucker's role in, you know, the last five years of becoming what they have become. And it's really interesting to me as, as a media watcher and someone who, you know, digs into this stuff. Um, I'm sure some of you will have thoughts on the announcement today of Jonah Goldberg joining CNN. And, this comes obviously on the heels of Steve Hayes joining NBC, and I, I have the same thoughts on Jonah joining CNN as I do. This doesn't look like principles anymore. It doesn't, well, for whatever reason, whether their contracts were up and they decided to kind of make it look like we're, we're walking out, um, it, it appears both uh, the editor-in-chief and the publisher of the dispatch were not truthful with their exit letter about this being a, you know, a principled stand against the content of Fox News, also stating that cable news in general is a big problem and directly quoting, they are not going to occupy the permanent anti-Fox seats at CNN or MSNBC. Those, all of those things turned out to be untrue. Uh, it's up to them how they want to address that. I'm sure they will eventually, um, but I have, the same, I have the same point of view I had on Steve Hayes with that stuff, which is you, you can't you know, make a huff puff about the content of Tucker Carlson while now going over and joining, you know, networks of uh, Joy Reid or, or Molly John Fast or Jim Acosta or Russian collusion or any of this stuff. Um, if you want to make a principled stand, then make a principled stand. And that's great. Um, if you're going to exit a workplace based on, you know, you disagree with the content of that place, that's great, too. But now you just join two networks um, that are in some ways more egregious than one Tucker Carlton, Carlson special. And so that's something I think those guys have to answer for. Um, those are that's kind of my thoughts. I don't need to really repeat a lot of that stuff. You know, it just transfers over from Hayes to Goldberg. Um, the only other thing I'll add on this, and then I'll just jump in and you know I'll kind of get thoughts from you guys, which is I don't know who that they think they're talking to at CNN and NBC. If if you really are believing that you're trying to take the stance to get the party back from Trump and January sixth. And, you know, those people and the J.D. Vances and, and all of those people who are you know, subservient to Trump, who's an authoritarian and all of this stuff. If, if that's your goal to try and win the party back or win the argument back, you don't go to CNN and you don't go to NBC because no, the people that you need to convince or the people you need to at least persuade or attempt to persuade aren't going to be watching those networks um, this this feels like a cashing the chips in move. And again, speaking to a room that agrees with you and kind of getting in all the accolades from people who you fought your whole life with and who now you are begging for the acceptance of. That's kind of what it looks like to me. I don't know what this solves. If you if you really believe you're you're fighting and you're carrying on the good fight and all of this stuff, these are moves that do not make sense, in my opinion. Um, those are my basic thoughts. I'm sure I'll have more. I'm sure you guys will have more. Um, but I do want to kind of keep it on the topic of the last week. 
and, and get your thoughts on it. Uh, if you want to veer off into Stacey Abrams a little bit, we can do that. Um, I don't know if Stacey Abrams is going to win her election in Georgia or not. Uh, what I can say is if she loses uh, this past weekend photograph of her seated on the classroom floor surrounded by mass children will be the reason uh, why she loses. That will be the, the perfect moment that everyone will look back. And I have other thoughts about these kinds of political moments, they're called. Uh, there's kind of a moniker for them called turnip moments. And you've all seen them in politics. Harry, uh, Howard Dean has one of the most famous ones. <laughs> Um, you, you know, the point where a politician's uh, campaign just crumbles right in front of your eyes. Uh, Rick Perry, oops, on a debate stage, things like that. Um, and there's there's a few of those famous ones throughout history. So if you guys want to jump into that a little bit as well, we're also we're, we're kind of seeing the dam break all of a sudden on mask mandates starting to go the way of the dodo for the Democrat Party, which means their internals must be atrocious. So kind of keep it in there, uh, keep it on topics. I'll take fun ones as well, but um, we're not going to do a two-hour marathon today. So also keep it short, um, keep your thoughts kind of short so we can get as many people up to one talk as possible. Uh, just jumping in, Andrew, you're up. How are you? I'm good, Stephen. Uh, my main question is how did Jeff Sucker come to be in power in CNN and how did he, um, what was the sort of crisis that brought him in? Because it would seem like, CNN had such a great reputation. Why would they take up this guy who just got thrown out for ruining NBC? Uh, that's a good question. I, I, I mean, cable news is, is Hollywood for ugly people, as is journalism. And so Zucker wields a lot of power. He knows a lot of higher, higher up people in that industry for one reason or another. Um, why CNN went with him, and I believe it was 2013 or 2014 um, that they hired him. Um, why they would why they would do that? It, well, I mean, the higher ups at CNN and, and Turner and uh, the company probably said we want to take this in a new, fresh direction. Probably did not anticipate the the uh, the rise of Donald Trump in politics. Um, there's a few reasons they probably just wanted to juice up the programming, and they might have thought it's gotten too stale, it's gotten too stiff, it's gotten too old. Um, but as as Andrew noted, it wasn't. It wasn't so much that he kind of trashed NBC. He, he went in and he changed the, the models at NBC. So, you know, Zucker figured out when he went into NBC and he kind of was the father of reality television in America. There was obviously Mark Burnett who brought in Trump and The Apprentice. Um, but Zucker figured out a business model at NBC where if you go back to, I think it was 2008, 2009, I might be off on this year a little bit. That's when the cast of Friends threatened to not come back unless they were paid like $12 million an episode or whatever it was. And they all went in kind of, you know, the, the cast of Friends kind of unionized together and they collected bargaining for each other. And they said, well, we're not going to do this where Jennifer Aniston, because, you know, she has a, you know, a rising film career and stuff like this. We're not going to do this stuff where she's paid $12 mil and Matthew Perry's only paid four or whatever. So they all went in they basically all demanded 8 to $12 million uh I think it was per episode and they went in and they marched in. They said, we're going to do this. And Zucker basically tried to play hardball and said, well, fine, then we're not going to bring you back. And I think he got overruled at NBC over that because at the time friends was like the number one show on television. Everyone remembers must Thursdays where you had, I think you had friends, Seinfeld, uh, Frazier, um, 
ER. I don't know if Frazier's in there, but you, you guys remember they had that whole four-hour stretch that just dominated television. Um, and Zucker's attitude was, I don't know why we have to pay, you know, prima donna movie stars. We have to pay for their assistance. We have to pay for their makeup and we have to pay for their hair. We have to pay for their set assistance and all of this stuff. When, you know, I could pay one host a TV, you know, I could pay one guy or one girl to host a show and with a bunch of nobodies competing in how to eat bugs and jump through flaming hoops of shit. I don't know. Um, and that was his philosophy. And we saw that with Donald Trump. And we saw that with the, the funniest thing that people have yet still to come around to is Jeff Zucker is a guy who gave Joe Rogan fear factor. Um, so you look, there's almost not a single part of American media today that this guy has not had his hands in uh, for good or bad. And face it, most of it's bad. Um, he kind of took over television and turned it into the running man just without the death. But it was, you know, you had all of these shows where you just had, you know, nameless contestants come in and, and do these and do these things and contests. And that of course led to other networks doing survivor and networks do, you know, how to be a millionaire or, you know, how to marry 30 midgets in nine months or something, whatever it was. And so why CNN chose to really go for him. I, I mean, that's something I can't really tell you. Um, I'm sure if I dug more into that, I think it was because they just wanted a fresh approach. Jeff Zucker was still a hot name. He did kind of turn around to NBC uh, in the early 2000s. But he's also the guy, as we learned, as we came to find out, uh, he ushered in this culture of kind of misogyny. Um, Matt Lauer, he was a huge enabler of Matt Lauer. He was a huge enabler of Donald Trump. And this is when, you know, when the Billy Bush tape came out, and I wrote this at Heat Street, I think, back in 2016, you know, late when the Billy Bush tape was supposed to be the thing that took Trump out, if you all recall, um, that got kind of Paul Ryan and it got the RNC to be like, he really needs to drop out so we can put a, you know, a last minute nominee up there. Um, it was like one of the few times Trump ever apologized for anything was the Billy Bush tape. Well, that happened on the set of The Apprentice. And if you think it's an accident that NBC News just sat on that tape, well, we knew that they had it during the primaries and refused to air it uh, because they wanted Trump. They wanted the Trump show. NBC put him on Saturday Night Live as well. So that era that, you know, the, the Billy Bush tape, that happened in Trump's uh, tenure as The Apprentice. And Trump was the number one star on television. And if, you know, there's stories of uh, the 30 Rock gift store was just decked out in all of Donald Trump's stuff, ties and mugs and the apprentice games and you're fired and all of that stuff. Um, and so Trump becomes kind of the number one star on television. Zuck Zucker gives him 15 million, I think, in 2008 or 2009, which also leads to the Celebrity Apprentice. And as I talked about on my podcast last week, that fame and that sudden cultural relevance again uh, is what enabled Trump to then, you know, spin that success into professional wrestling, where Zucker encouraged that. He was, you know, yeah, go, go, you know, go, go play up, you know, the, the smart, genius businessman against the evil, you know, Vince McMahon. And that's, you know, when Vince McMahon shaved his head and Donald Trump became owner of uh, the WWF. It's, I wrote a whole piece about that, about how media was some either purposely or on accident ignoring where Trump had crafted this persona. And it was in professional wrestling. And it's one of the favorite things I've ever written. Um, and it was, it ran a national review and then also ran it on my site where that's where Trump was given this, this, you know, this, persona of being a smart businessman who, you know, looks over the apprentices and he obviously has his kids with him. 
and then he goes into wrestling and he's the smart businessman who takes over the WWF and he's raining money down on the crowd and you know like Jack Nicholson and Batman um, and Zucker just enabled all of that he just looks the other way when it's successful and that's basically what happened with Chris Cuomo is he looked the other way until we found out that you know Zucker was possibly involved in this as well which is why he couldn't look the other way anymore um, again, you're, you're seeing Stelter really try hard to, you know, to shift this to, this is the, this is just a consensual relationship story. Well, no, it's not. This is a story about how much did Jeff Zucker have a hand in crafting Andrew, the Andrew Cuomo show, just like he tried to craft the Donald Trump show. People forget that he offered Donald Trump debate advice. And this is why I, I, I don't, I don't buy this end democracy in peril, end of the Republic bullshit that is constantly pushed on CNN by Jake Tapper and Jim Acosta and Brian Stelter and Oliver Darcy and uh, Brianna Keelar and Anderson Cooper and Don Lamont and all these people, because if they actually gave a fuck about the health of our Republic, they would have gone knocking down Jeff Zucker's door and going like, why the hell did you do this? Why did you offer Trump a, a show? Um, some of you probably know, as I noted, I wrote uh, a manuscript about the media and Trump in 2016. And I, I read a brief part of this on the podcast last week, where during the, you know, during the primaries, the New York Times reported that Trump was in makeup to go on and do an, a CNN special, I believe with Anderson Cooper, and Zucker met him kind of in, in the back room or the makeup room or the green room. And Trump said to him, you know, do you think any of this happens without The Apprentice? And Jeff Zucker kind of went, nope, and gave him a hearty pat on the shoulder and whatever. And the people at CNN want you to either not know these details or they want you to forget them. And to this day, not a single person, not a single person at CNN has addressed this part of Jeff Zucker. Uh, people in media have. You saw a lot of pieces this week suddenly come out about Jeff Zucker was Trump's lead enabler. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, where, where were you guys while you were all begging for table scraps to, to appear on reliable sources or Jake Tapper's show or, or the morning show? So... Uh, the reaction has been one that has just kind of been baffling to me, uh, especially as we hear more come out from Amelie Camarota and Brian Seltzer and, and Tapper calling Chris Cuomo a terrorist and all of this stuff. No, I, I think you guys all knew what was going on inside that building. And if you don't, you all need to be fired as journalists. Yeah. And then, and all right. Um, what would you say is like uh, the long-term effects of like, Zucker's at stay at CNN because I'm just wondering if I, I know I'm just a, a schmuck accountant, but like I just think if I'm like a young, up and coming sort of journalist slash reporter um, or broadcaster, it seems to me like I would have maybe like second thoughts like that about before like joining a place that's sort of run like CNN where I'm just like, am I going to be made to sort of go down with the ship? <laughs> Like, like, you know, five years from now, like that's like that's sort of like one of the things that I'd be worried about as a journalist. And um, just a second, quick, uh, just wanted to give a quick reaction to uh, the Gawker piece that was just ran against our, uh, our, our, our vaunted naughty senator from Arizona. Uh, I don't know what Gawker piece you're referencing. I'll look it up here. Um I, I just don't pay attention to Gawker anymore. Uh, Paul Kogan took care of that for me. Um, I think it depends on what happens. It looks to me like you have some people at CNN trying to sweep this under the rug and just continue on doing Jeff Zucker's business model. Um, 
On the other hand, like I think Zed Jelani had a great thing. Like if CNN just wanted to get over this mess, you kind of do what cancel culture people do is you just you you drop out for a week or two, just disappear until the new cycle moves on and then you come back. Um, I like Zed Jelani's suggestion they should just, you know, put CNN International on for three weeks until they sort all of this out um, and just and maybe keep it because the work that CNN International does is 10 times better. It's actual news. It's, you know, you have actual reporters going into war zones, not Jim Acosta pretending that the Starbucks across the street is a war zone. Um, so I, I don't know. It, this would be a weird time to jump over there. If, if someone got an offer, it'd be kind of be like, you know, I, I don't know who's going to be running things. I don't know the direction this is going. That's, that's what seems odd about uh, Jonah Goldberg and a few others jumping over there now. Uh, there were reports that Chris Wallace was completely irate over, you know, Zucker exiting because he jumped over there because of Zucker. And um, I, I don't know. I can say that I'm enjoying it. Um, this is kind of what happens when you, you trade journalism ethics in for a circus show. And as I've always said about the direction Zucker took CNN is he, these aren't really journalists as much as they are role players. They're all there to play a role, perform a certain role. And you can see that. You can see if you go back and you see some of Jay Tapper's old stuff at ABC News to who he is now, you see a transformation. Um, you, you obviously see a transformation in some of the so-called conservative people that he hired, Oliver Darcy, Matt Carpenter, S.E. Cop, those people. Um, and the question is, okay, were these people always like this? Were they always just this craving for a paycheck? Or are they playing a role? And it's it's kind of my belief, based on things that I've seen, that they, they all play a certain role. They play a role that Zucker wants them to play. And now that he's gone, it's kind of like, I don't know, do I keep playing this role? Do we try something else or whatever? Um, so, I mean, I kind of agree with your point that I don't I don't know if now, like, if you would jump over there as a contributor. If, if let's say you're a young journalist, maybe if you want to do print and you want to do web and you don't want to be an on-air talent, that would be something. But uh, they still don't know who's going to take over Chris Cuomo's slot on a five. It seems like they're, you know, Zucker was angling to put Acosta in that slot. And you, you, again, Acosta is just another guy who sits and watches Fox. Now uh, his show every weekend is meant to not garner viewers and, and keep someone engaged in the news. It's meant to poke Tucker Carlson and Fox news and trend on Twitter. So then people share clips and, and, and it goes like that. And that's going to be interesting to see if that business model continues. This kind of uh, this kind of clickbait network um, outrageousness of just we're just going to talk and watch Fox all day. Um, I, I don't know if that continues without kind of Zucker uh, leading the ship. Uh, so we'll see. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting uh, kind of time to see where this goes. But right now there is definitely kind of a Zucker loyalist, you know, crew there a caliphate that is trying to keep CNN on the track that it's going, which doesn't seem to be successful, but that's kind of their prerogative. Uh, Janine, Janine, you're up. Didn't want to do that. Janine, if you're listening, just uh, re and I'll bump you up. Uh, Faye. Good evening. Um, I guess my question is whether you think there will be any sort of backlash either within the profession or on a larger basis for some of the CNN quote unquote talent who are so obviously just completely fine with what went on there with Zucker and, you know, 
kind of a cynic, been following news for a long time. I work in politics, so I can't say that it surprised me that that's how they felt. But I have to admit, it blew my mind a little bit to see. Um, I made a joke that half of them were seemed to be like two steps away from what we Jews call tearing Korea. You know, you tear your clothes when someone dies. And then I heard Jake Tapper actually hosted a Shiva-like gathering, um, which took the joke away. But they're, you know, they're openly mourning that he's oh, gone. No, and, <laughs> um, you know, but uh, it just sort of blows my mind that they're they're doing this. And you know, you had Allison something tweeting on uh, about how her mental health is affected by him going, and and you know, Stelter is ready to do all kinds of things. So I guess that was my question. If you think there's going to be any kind of backlash that that people are just so open about this. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the people that seem pretty bold to speak out seem to kind of be the ones that they, who they think are running things. So you have Tapper, Camarota, Stelter, you know, who Stelter claims he's speaking on behalf of 4,000 and CNN employees. And um, I, I, I've openly wondered, I don't know how Brian Stelter still has a job. Part of that is because the day before Zucker was fired, Stelter wrote... Uh, about Radar Online is just—it's a trash publication. Has no credibility. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's trafficking in lies. And then the very next day, it turns out the story's true. And Stelter has not answered for that. Uh, this was from his newsletter the day before, uh, and I've read this on my podcast. But it's worth repeating because Stelter clearly knew the story was coming. And then that comes down to what else did he know about all of this? It's a, this from his newsletter said they post something. This is from the Fox News story about this. It says they post something nutty. They claim to have multiple sources, but they don't check with the subject at all. And they aren't swayed by reality. The Stelter wrote of Radar Online the day before it reported the news of Zucker's relationship with Golist. It says ordinary users end up reading, sharing, and something believing a lie without realizing the original story was garbage. Radar wins page views and loses nothing because it had no credibility to start with. Sad. Well, it sounds like Radar's sources were, dare I say, reliable. Um, and so, again, this is something to me, he, he should have to answer for this. How did, was he tipped off to the story? How was he tipped off? Why did he call it a lie if he knew that it was true? Um, and then that also leads to, did Stelter have any information or knowledge, kind of being Zucker's hatchet man and, and CNN's ombudsman, did he have any knowledge that uh, Zucker and Golist were, hand-feeding Cuomo talking points and how much did people at this network know beyond the surface of what turned into be the kind of the Cuomo brothers magical circus hour with you know complete with Wee's playhouse props and everything and so you know it's easy to beat up on him because he is you know so shameless and a soulless clown but these are legitimate questions as far as journalism is concerned and anytime something like this happens with CNN, you notice they just they go into lockdown. And this is how you know they're not a news organization. They are a PR operation. So whenever these questions come, they just go into lockdown. And you can't get you can't get an answer from anybody inside that building on any of this stuff. And so you know, one, they're not interested in transparency. Two, they're not interested in you know showing the truth. And I think there there are comparisons to this situation and the Roger Ailes situation at Fox and the Bill O'Reilly situation at Fox. Um, obviously, you know, as far as we know, Zucker didn't make unwanted advances on anyone, but the reaction inside the building seems to be completely different. To me, it looks like Fox just said, fuck this, we're cleaning house. O'Reilly, you're gone. And he, I know Bill O'Reilly had the number one show on, on all of cable news, on all of television in that time hour. And they're like, no, nope, you're gone. See ya. Um, and, you know, they, and then shortly after, Ailes croaked 
um, you know, like it's Jabba tongue hanging out, like Return of the Jedi. And uh, it feels like Fox just cleaned house and really tried to attempt to change the culture inside that building. You don't see that happening right now with CNN. You don't see a, you know, a kind of wholehearted effort to be like, this was an ugly incident. We didn't agree with the Cuomo's with putting Andrew Cuomo on with his brother. We thought that that was bad. It's also very bad if this report is true that Jeff Zucker was essentially directing Andrew Cuomo's pressers while bodies are piling up in nursing homes. We don't agree with that. So we're going to try to change the culture inside CNN. You don't see that happening. You see them defending him. <laughs> and part of that comes from he probably handpicked and hired people like Stelter and Darcy and Camarota. I think Alice Camarota was also at Fox. Um, and so you see a lot of this defensive and Chris Wallace and, and all of this stuff. And you have a lot of people with egg on their face. And if, if any of these people were capable of shame in the first place, um, you'd probably see more of a culture change, but it's, I think it's just kind of showing you that they're not. And that's what I mean. They're not, they're not interested in journalism or truth. They're interested in PR and, you know, somehow t- sticking it to Fox or whatever. Uh, hey, Stephen. Uh, so you, you, you mentioned earlier about how um, one of Jeff Zucker's other huge media creations was Joe Rogan. And I don't know if you saw, Earlier today that Rumble offered him a $100 million contract similar to what he's got with with Spotify. And you've got kind of conservative media going out, like acting like this is some kind of a huge mic drop moment. You've got Ted Cruz going full Steve Buscemi meme, uh, posting other types of meme. And this is really symbolic for me of why conservatives are losing the culture war right now. It, it just doesn't seem like they really understand what makes Joe Rogan so successful. They're so content to be ready to run off to their echo chambers. And that's really what the antithesis of what Joe Rogan is, is trying to do. I mean, we can, that's, that's not how you stand up for the free and open exchange of ideas. And in ultimately Rogan's willingness to sit down and talk with just about anyone is what really makes him, so dangerous to media elites. And while, you know, the whole vax debate and the moral panic over this, the racial epithets or whatever, that will get the Twitter woke mob, uh, you know, mobilized. But uh, it's having those unfettered conversations that really makes the media sweat. Yeah, I saw this. I saw the thing with Rogan and Rumble. Um, Someone actually broke this down and said, they don't know how good of a deal this would actually be. People were like, you should take this. And if you look at, they're offering them 100 mil for four years. Well, that's 25 mil a year. And we don't know the details of Rogan's contract at Spotify. Um, I'm kind of Roganed out, if I'm being honest. I think the issue should stay out front. Yeah, you're seeing, you. you're, it's not, you're not just seeing it about Joe Rogan. You're seeing now Jimmy Carr and a few others. It's almost like there's a moral panic happening on comedians, um, which, is, which is an interesting thing because it's, it's kind of like a new PMRC which we talked about last week, but it's it's geared toward people like Dave Chappelle. And it's geared toward people like, you know, things Louis C.K. has said, or Chris Rock has said, or Joe Rogan has said, or now it's Jimmy Carr has said. And, you know, if, if that's the way it's going, there's, they're going to find a ton more of these people. There's Anthony Jessen, like, you know, who has, has said he prays these people come after him, which is funny. Um, but, I, I mean... I don't, I don't see how Rogan would take that deal because you don't know what the details of a contract with Spotify are. And I think that there's a lot of reasons why Spotify isn't jettisoning him over this because I think Rogan has a pretty tight contract with them. 
to where Spotify were to fire him for the content of his podcast, Spotify is going to probably end up going out of business with the amount of money they're going to owe Joe Rogan. And I think that that has a lot to do with this. You can't just crater to a, to a, a Twitter mob if you have legal protections in place. And I think that that has a lot to do with why Spotify is actually sticking with them. I think Spotify would get rid of them tomorrow if they could. And I mean that legally as in, you know, contractually, if they weren't going to end up, you know, forking over millions more dollars than it is to just pay the contract out. Um, I think a lot of this comes down to people at CNN not understanding the kind of the new media landscape that we're in. People right. like Brian Stelter is an, is an old school uh, you know, journalism guy. He had, you know, one of the guys from Pod Save America on his show a few years ago. And uh, he said to him, he's like, your medium is dead. You know, this is where it is. Your podcasting is future. It's, you know, kind of going back to AM radio. We're obviously on call in where this is, you know, it's kind of like a talk radio, but it's a live podcast. And we can sit here and we can talk about anything we want. And I can talk about anybody. And Again, it's like I read I read that piece last week um, from this guy named Connor Fitzgerald that says not every what we're doing right now, you know, me and Colby and then Chris and Trip and anyone listening, this isn't journalism. We're just people having a conversation about media and about politics and whatever else interests us and maybe the Denver Broncos or anything like that. And that drives people like that crazy because they think that this information belongs to them and it has to be framed in certain ways. It has to be framed in certain contexts. And you did see a few journalists come out last week and say. You know, the reason we should stop focusing on what, you know, Joe Rogan's is and what his audience is and start focusing on why they won't listen to us. And that's the only way it kind of uh, you, they have to go about this. But I don't really see that happening. Self self introspection is one of the weakest parts of, you know, media these days. They don't think that they're to blame for anything, which obviously shows you also the blind spot. They Hey, Stephen, how you doing? Yeah, it's good to hear your voice. I've, I've known Chris for a while uh, on the Twitters, and he's a podcast subscriber, so it's it's good to finally hear your voice. Pretty good for an Okie, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I guess my thoughts about it's about Brian Stelter. I, I I didn't even know Zucker had even went to been hired to run CNN when Stelter was hired, and then I figured it all out that he'd won it hired Stelter and that's what got me you know mainly on Twitter and stuff because I just wanted to follow it just didn't make sense to hire a 26 year old to run reliable sources and uh, it makes sense now because he's his bag man <clears throat> yeah if you know anything about Stelter's career he came from the Baltimore Sun and Daily Caller ran an article that's interesting that I, you know, I actually helped them with because I found some of the links on it where Selter was, you know, 18, 20 years old working at the Baltimore Sun. He was a journalism student and they ran a whole article on him about, oh, he's, he's a fast riser. His future's bright. And it was about Brian Stelter flyer, flyering the parking lot over um, uh, what was some conservative news network. It wasn't OAM because this was back during the Iraq war. Um I, I completely I'm blanking on the name of it. I'm getting old. I'm getting old man brain. Um, it wasn't Fox. It wasn't, but it was, you know, a conservative network who was uh, outraged at 60 minutes for running the, the bodies of the Afghan war, obviously they're close to the election. And so Silter called one of these conservative news outlets an evil empire. And I know that I think it was a daily caller reached out to him. and was like, do you still believe this about conservative news outlets? Because you're a guy who I'm down the straight and narrow. And all of this stuff. And he ended up <laughs> at the New York Times. 
He ended up then, he was a media critic for the New York Times. He ended up at NBC as well, which is why you don't see Brian Stelter ever criticize the fat shittery happening on Joy Reid's show. And that's what I mean about they're, they're not interested, most, most of corporate media, most, most of network media, they're not interested in selling you journalism or truth or, or just events. Like, what is happening? Tell me what is happening in the world. That's all I care about. They're interested in selling you narratives and drama and um, things of that nature. And Brian Seltzer is a perfect example of that. This is a guy who should be at Entertainment Tonight. That's the kind of journalist mm-hmm. he is. He, he's, he traffics in gossip and he traffics in things like that. Um, and he, for all intents and purposes, should not be hosting a show tied to reliable sources, especially when he's putting Dan fucking Rather in the I, did, I had one more point, but it's okay. Uh, it's kind of ironic that if you, if you remember Watergate <laughs> – and all these, I do not remember these, these Watergate. <laughs> oh, you've seen enough of all the prisoners men stuff, but uh, it it's ironic because what happened in Watergate was the cover up was worse than what went on, and they're doing the same thing at CNN. They've been covering up this whole thing, and that that's just another point I want to make, and I'll get off here. Yeah, like I said, they're they are run like a PR operation. You could go so far as to say a, a progressive PR operation, because that's you know what their network is. Um, but they certainly right. I mean, they're certainly not interested in saying, okay, yeah, we our boss just resigned. Here's some shady shit that we think was going on. Uh, we promised to do better. You know, apples and this is a banana and this is an apple. And facts first. And you're kind of seeing all of that, you know, laid bare. You're seeing that that's not what it is. And those of us who have been kind of pounding on this door for years and years and years, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I've been doing kind of, you know, a, a naked victory dance for the past week um, over this stuff because I've just been, I, I've been telling people for years that this is who these people are. This isn't about journalism. It's not about truth. And, and that goes for any cable news. You know, it's not that Fox are saints and sinners, but I don't know who the Brett Bayer of CNN is. You know, I don't I don't know who the Shannon Bream of CNN is where you can just sit down for 40 minutes and just watch news. And then, you know, there's, a, you know, a 10 minute civilized discussion at the end of that. I think that they tried to make that Jake Tapper, uh, but that didn't work because Tapper is now an opinion guy for the for, for, for the most part. It was a Wolf Blitzer. I don't know. You would think that's who he is. But even now, you know, Wolf Blitzer has an entire room full of situations. And so um, it, it, it becomes about that stuff, and it doesn't, again, become about journalism, which is fine. But don't sit there and tell me you're interested in you know, combating misinformation and you're, you're interested in combating uh, Fox News lies and all of this stuff because you don't buy it. Oh, doing well. I'm a first time, long time. I'm pretty uh, disturbed, perturbed, disgusted, and disgruntled over your denigration of a great American who deserves his face on the next Mount Rushmore right next to Harry Reid. Um, tongue in cheek aside, I think it's pretty funny that um, these people are so incapable, these people being CNN people are so incapable of introspection that they don't understand the role that their boss had in creating and crafting a 6-3 conservative majority that for all intents and purposes, looks like it's going to hold up pretty strong for the next couple of decades. Yeah, I, it's beyond that. It's it's not so much that it's it's not so much the specific issue of the court. It was building Donald Trump up throughout the primaries so he could slap the shit out. I mean, everybody loved it. Everybody loved that show. 
he, you know, he'd get up and slap the shit out of Rand Paul and slap the shit out of Marco Rubio and Gang of Eight and Trader and Jeb Bush. And, and it was fun. It was all fun and games. And then he gets the nomination. And, and anyone who remembers that, they, they loved it. They loved every single second of this. Uh, they they kind of treated it like, you know, the Stephen King movie or book, Carrie, which is you make you make Donald Trump the prom queen and then you dump a bucket of blood on his head. Well, guess what? It, it turned out that that's exactly what happened. You gave him the nomination, he wins the presidency, and then he locked the doors and killed everybody inside the gymnasium. And the, the, the very notion that, again, like you said, like people like Tapper or Stelter or people that Zucker hired, if you see, it's the people that Zucker brought to CNN have been the most outspoken in his defense. It's been Tapper and Stelter and Acosta and Caitlin Collins um, and, and Camarota, and those people have been the loudest voices. Um, but you're strangely, you're not hearing much from like the Anderson Coopers and the Wolf Blitzers, people who've been at CNN before Zucker. And I find that interesting. I think what's what's kind of funny is going kind of back to the Joe Rogan thing that Jeff Zucker basically put Rogan on the map after news radio as well by giving him fear factor for five years. And now Rogan is having the kind of show that CNN used to have with Larry King. It's a little bit of a different concept. And content-wise, obviously, Rogan, you know, has kookier conversations with kookier people, but it's the same thing. Larry King would sit there with a the microphone, and he would interview celebrities every night for, what, an hour or two or whatever, and he'd take in calls. So, you know, people call in, and, you know, there's all these funny clips. You know, there's one of Seinfeld uh, where Jerry just goes off on him, and there's things like that. But that's what CNN used to be, and people watched it. And then, of course, they got rid of Larry King, and – um. If you look at like what Rogan does, it's just a different version of what Larry King did. And to watch, you know, Oliver Darcy crap his pants over Joe Rogan on a daily basis. He, he shouldn't be allowed to say this or, you know, Jim Acosta or, or Brian Stelter or whatever like this. Um, it really it shows you how far this is coming. If you remember, this was only supposed to be about how dangerous Alex Jones was and danger. And, and, and Alex Jones is spreading dangerous misinformation. And now here we are. We're all the way up to somebody like Joe Rogan, who has, you know, millions and millions of listeners. And we that's how you lose faith in CNN. And, you know, we saw this last week where Brian Seltzer said just a week ago, you know, uh, Joe Rogan shouldn't be doing these things because he doesn't have, you know, fact checkers and a newsroom and a news desk to talk about vaccine information, stuff like that. And then literally three days later, Jeff Zucker is out on his ass because the fact that CNN wasn't disclosing information to the public. It's, it's poetry. Um, this, this is, it's kind of funny because last week on my podcast, and I know some of you probably have thoughts on Jonah Goldberg, and I, I'm getting yelled at for kind of my, my passive, uh, my passive non-criticism of David French. And I'm sitting here thinking, you guys just got Ze Jeff Zucker's skull like on a pike. And you're still fucking crying about something David French wrote. Like, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, I think that's different now with Jonah, say, going over to CNN. But I'm just like, this This is a very, I, I said on Kennedy that night, I said that this is a very bad day for CNN. And it's a very, very good day. I got a, a nice little kick out of the Jonah. Quirk orange. Sorry, you're to watch CNN. <laughs> All right, I'm done. I said I, I got a, a quite the kick out of the Jonah Goldberg tweet where he uh, yeah. tweeted the gif of the Clockwork Orange with his eyes with his eyeballs glued open. If I had to watch CNN, yep, there is always a tweet. Joseph, how are you? How's it going? 
Joseph, you're live on the air on Versus Media. Matt, I'm calling. I don't want to boot you, Joseph. You're, you're one of my lo- you're one of my like mo- most loyal like call-in listeners. I'm gonna shock paddle you here in about two seconds. Okay, Joseph, come back if you can hear me. Hey, I'm good. That that's really tough to follow. Um, it's it's it is difficult up here in the uh, in the uh, in in Kanadistan though. Uh oh, how are you? How are you and your <laughs> brave freedom fighters doing uh, up there in this fallen wasteland where warlords are just wandering the country? It's basically Mad Max. Mad Max, and as long as you're not honking in in Ottawa, I think they'll they'll be okay. You'll. Uh, <laughs> where where are you? Where are you uh, got. Where are you in Canada? I'm in Vancouver. This is Chris in Van BC. Oh, so, oh oh well. Hi Chris. Next time you can say that. Next time I will say that. <laughs> so so Chris is Chris is one of my podcast subbers who is uh he's he's one of my faithful followers stranded behind enemy lines who who kind of like reports in from what is now officially the failed terror state of Kanadistan. Hey, our, our leader I mean, Vancouver is like on the other side of that area, though, so it, it needs to get to you guys. And we know you guys can riot. So, hey, if there's one thing we're good at, it, it's rioting. But the, certainly the Canucks fans, you know, <laughs> certainly, certainly there's some fighting you guys there. Uh, so my, my first question is, uh, do you actually think Steltzer Lemon and Acosta are going to be able to survive this? Genuinely don't know. If they were smart, I know, like, somebody asked me on one of our weird Saturday podcasts, like, what would, what would you do to reset this network? Like, if you put me in charge right now, like, what would I do? Uh, I would probably lose those three people. I would just, here your, here are your walking papers. You're doing nothing for, for us. Um, you know, give them their severance so they don't sue or whatever, as if Acosta would, Acosta would chain himself to the door. You know, you can't, you can't do this to Acosta. Um, but I would probably lose those three. Maybe keep Don Lamont. I don't know. I mean, if you're following, if you're following the Fox model, you keep three hours of commentary, you know, like Fox does or whatever, you know. So you have Hannity, Ingram, Carlson, and I think there's one more in there. Uh, I think with Jesse Waters now. Um, and so you can keep the PM as commentary, but I would mix it up. And as, as, as I've said, you know, people laugh at CNN's ratings. Well, the problem of why Fox kicks all of their ass the whole time is Fox speaks to 50% of the country while CNN, CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC are all fighting for the other 50%. And so you, I, I don't know. I would. It depends on how the ratings go. And if new management comes in and just goes, you guys are doing nothing for us. And by the way, we're tired of the Twitter shit. We're tired of, the, of you guys just being on TV to be on Twitter. So, you you know, you would lose somebody like Stelter's show, maybe keep him as a, as a web journalist and keep his newsletter. His newsletter is extremely popular, especially in media. So maybe that's what you do. You keep him there. Um, but I would get away from the, the set, the Fox focus and just say, we're done talking about whatever's on Fox news. Let, let Fox go do their thing. We're going to go do our thing. We're going to get a reputation back. You know, uh, I would give Chris Wallace an hour of news every night and say, okay, Chris Wallace from five to 6 PM, you're going to, you're going to counter Brett Bayer. And so there you go. So that's the first thing you do. Maybe Wallace wouldn't want to do that, but that would be my offer. Um, I've said in the past, if you want to increase your audience share and put a dent in Fox's give someone like Ben Shapiro an hour long show, just do like Larry King, Ben Shapiro style and 
or you know uh, people that I'm not even fond of, I would look at. You have Candace Owens an hour long show, um, somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. Twitter's gonna hoot and howl over it. They're gonna cry. Oh, you can't do it. The fascists. Um, and you would just say, yeah, well, we want to hear from different points of view in the country. The end. Um, but what would that, newsrooms that, that watch? Break, what, what, you know, that, that's exactly right. What, what, would, what would Media Matters do now? Um, and and what, would, what would journalists all over Twitter? Like, I mean, Stelter, I mean, Media Matters created an entire cottage industry of journalists who just watch Fox News. The Daily Beast has one now. A Post has one. And then you have the, you know, the misinformation squad at NBC and uh, Ben Collins and Brandy Zadrozny who just sit and watch Fox and, you know, surf for channel all day, not understanding they're getting trolled on a constant, near constant basis. Um, it, it's really interesting. I, I don't even know how that happened. I don't, it happened so like gradually where media matters became suddenly the mainstream model for what happened. Uh, and uh, one other thing, well, two other things. <laughs> Oh my my daughter's taking trying to take my phone. Shut shut her. Do you think I'm trying to do a uh, performance do, here? Yeah, exactly. Uh do you think uh, the Broncos will will draft Pickett? Uh not unless they trade up to number 5, which I kind of want them to do. So I mean, I I'm I'll, I think they're I think they're going to get Rodgers at this point. I think it's pretty much a done deal. Um, but I, I, here's where I am at the Broncos. I just want to see them do something. I'm fucking bored. I don't, I don't even need them to win a Super Bowl because I've seen them win three Super Bowls. Uh, good luck this weekend, you Bengals and Rams fans. I got three of them. I don't even care. Um, I just, I'm tired of watching paint dry with that team. Just like do something exciting. Like I'm tired of seeing other, like the, like the 49ers, they go up and they draft, you know, they, they lose five draft picks and they jump to number two and they draft Trey Lance. That's exciting. Trey Lance might suck, but that was exciting to watch. Hey, do you and guys so, want so, uh, Russell Wilson? Because we're, we'll trade him for some picks. I, I, I I'm, a, I'm a Seahawks fan. Leaving. They just they did, they asked him at the Pro Bowl this last. You can't, how, why are you rooting for an American football team? You go root for your own fucking football league up there. If you even still have a league. We don't. Um, yeah, it's, it's, not anymore. It's been dissolved by Trudeau in light of the trucker protest. So uh, I just, I just want the Broncos to do something. Like go, go trade four draft picks for Aaron Rodgers and and you know Jerry Judy for Devontae Adams, and then or jump up to number four and draft Kenny Pickett. I don't know if Kenny Pickett's any good, but yes, do it. Just do something. Do something that's like exciting because I'm I'm kind of tired of you know dinking. Awesome. Talk to you soon. All right, Don's up, uh, and I'm going to take Ron, Dan, and Robert to close things out. Uh, like I said, cutting it short. This. Hey, am I on the air? What's on your mind? You're kidding. Um, what, one thing I I harp on in the comments of your podcast all the time, uh, under my real name, mind you, it feels a little bit safer aboard the pirate ship. Um, is how the problem with media goes well beyond cable news all the way down to the Capitol Hill press corps. And so my question for you is when we see these Republicans pounce articles all the time, almost weekly at this point, like they've, are they, are they trolling? Are they messing with everyone or are they trying to kind of prove their credentials so that maybe they can become a Manu Raju or a household name one day? 
Because there's no way they, they're not aware of what they're doing at this point. No. It's just That's, there's, there's kind of that contention. Like when we saw this thing with Stacey Abrams, uh, you know, setting her campaign on fire this past weekend. And of course, we saw the Washington Post take the opportunity to say, you know, Republicans seize on Stacey Abrams. What is it? Here's the actual headline. GOP rivals seize on Stacey Abrams' maskless classroom photo as her campaign calls criticism silly. And they don't use the actual, the, the, the giveaway to this is they don't use the actual photograph uh, that was at the heart of the issue because even the Washington Post knows how bad that fucking looks. Um, I think part of it is trolling. I think that definitely when the New York Times does it, it's trolling. Uh, they know that they're going to get a lot of conservatives or people on the right on social media responding to that. Um, but I think it's also something that should be shown every time that they do it. There's times when you shouldn't take a bait. And there's times when I think you should. Um, the other thing you have to realize is social media changed everything for journalists and, and journalism. It turned, it basically made journalists their own little brand. So you, you're using your Twitter feed to not only link to your stories, but, you know, journalists lose their Twitter feed to post music they like or their wordle or whatever they're doing. And Twitter really transformed that. So you see uh, some, someone like Olivia Newsy, for example, uh, who was someone who worked for the Wiener campaign and she went over to Daily Beast and then she goes to New York Mag and she's kind of crafted her entire Twitter feed to her own personal brand. And now she's appearing in television shows. And so you have a lot of young journalists who that is now the road to go. And maybe that is a way to get on CNN or possibly get a show if that's what they want. Um, and so it is this, it's, it is a balancing act. And I, I still don't think that media companies have this under control. Somebody like Taylor Lorenz, for example, um, is she running the New York Times social feed or are they running her? Or I guess she's now at the Washington Post as well. Um, and so that's kind of the balancing act that you see happening. So when you, when you look at a journalist's Twitter feed or I look at it, you just go, how the fuck are they just admitting this like out in the open? Like how, what? Well, it's because they're, they're not only just writing their, their links to their stories, they're also working on their own personal brand because that personal brand leads to book deals. It leads to television hits, which is why you don't see that many people speaking out against Jeff Zucker or what's going on. Um, because if you speak out, you, you don't make it on CNN for a bit. You don't make it on MSNBC. Um, and, and when you're on NBC, it's when you, when you do television, it's, you know, promoting who you are. I, I only do pretty much do Kennedy because it's kind of the least politically, uh, hypocritical show that I can find on television. And also I, I grew up with Kennedy as one of my MTV VJ crushes. So it's a little bit of a fandom, but it's also, um, you know, it's a good show where she kind of stresses respect. You don't interrupt. You don't start screaming. I, I've done that at times, which I don't care. LeBron James is a moral coward. Um, but it's it's more about like working on your personal brand. And you can really see through a journalist Twitter feed what they care about more. Do they care about honest journalism? Do they care about uh, their CNN hits? Do they care about working on their book? Do they care about, you know, their, their TikTok or whatever it is? And the ones that you see engaged in truth and journal. Josh Rogan is a perfect example. This does not come off as someone to me interested in crafting their brand. This is someone who genuinely has an interest in exposing the human rights. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, appreciate that. It's just, I mean, I, I kind of work in that world and you just see on a daily basis uh, the guys with the bylines at like, you know, every outlet that's in the core just running interference for Dems and then 
you know, it just it just goes deep. And, and it sometimes even feels like there's actual disdain for anything that a Republican does. It's just well, you're just not jur- journal. Journal list was not something that was an accident. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who don't know what journalist was, it was, it was basically journalists has just now moved over to Slack channels, so they can't be caught. But journalist was an entire kind of secret online message board between journalists like Ezra Klein and Dave Weigel and a few others. That, that That's all they did is they just shat on Republicans and made fun of conservatives. And Dave Weigel lost his job at The Washington Post over it. Um, and now, he, of course, he's back there because now in this day, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't cool to do that. But now it's a business model. So. Um, I, I don't know. It's certainly not, in my opinion, the way to go. I don't mind outward bias. If people, people who see the, the, the things that I go on about or who I go after, I very rarely go after leftist outlets unless they're just plain pushing something that's factually wrong. Um, I don't mind outlets like Daily Beast or Rolling Stone or Mother Jones or things like that, because that's, you, you should read those outlets. It's, uh, if you're constantly just reading Breitbart or National Review or Daily Wire or Daily Caller or whatever, or even Spectator, which is, you know, has a wide range of voices, you, you already know what these people think. You're just you're you're reading them for confirmation bias and it doesn't really show you what the other side is trying to argue. And I, I've said this for years. Uh, you should be out there. You should be reading any progressive outlet that you can read. Um Without, you know, if anything, it, it's, it helps you gain kind of a, a steel skin without, you know, you your face turning red and getting all fucking angry at whatever they're writing when you just learn that, hey, this is what they're talking about. This is what they're going. And, and people talk about losing the culture wars. I don't really know about that. But um, like I said, it's, it's one thing to go and you can read something that you affirm, you agree with every single day. Or you can go out and you can kind of learn a little bit. But social media is the best thing to happen to um, people like me or people like you or just casual observers of media, um, anyone who's in here. Um, Because you actually see how these people think and how they act. And a lot of the time, they don't think that they're being biased or they don't think that they're being kind of a political hack. And that in and of itself should tell you everything you need to know. The Washington Post Seriously, think it's a good business model to sit here and go, oh, Purdue and Kemp are seizing on Stacey Abrams' maskless photo. And you would say to them, do you really not get why this looks so bad? And half of them will probably say, yeah, we're running cover. And the other half will probably go, no, because I don't see anything wrong with masking children. Um, and that's kind of one of those chicken or the egg arguments. Are they biased or are they just stupid? Or are they just, this is what they actually believe? Ron, you're up. And then I'm going to take Dan, Robert, and Joseph is back. And so I owe Joseph one, and then we're going to wrap up. Oh, Ron. Ron, it's 4 o'clock. Missing happy hour, Ron. Ron? Okay. Ron's gone. Hey, doing good, Stephen. Um, I wanted to uh, commend you on your uncanny ability to find the perfect um, single moment, single picture quote tweet. And my uh, current favorite one is the DeSantis inauguration picture um as a oregonian that just um is now under permanent indoor masking it's like that is a uh, bound to happen and your uh, i'll say your other ones are the wine garden wine garden biden uh biden walking away from the podium and the uh, cuomo the original the cuomo q-tip picture yeah, the, I mean, I don't know if DeSantis is going to win or even run. I don't know anything about any of that. It, that's the kind of works as a totem. Yeah. Or if you guys, yeah. if you guys, you could, you might as well, you can insert one of Trump if you like. 
Um, as, as I've been saying, you have you kind of have the Jonah Goldbergs, you have kind of the the, the January six people and the CNNs, and they're they're sitting here screaming about the you know, Trump runs at the end of democracy because he's going to install and he's going to steal the elections. And I've said you guys are completely missing the point. If Biden keeps up doing what what he's doing, if he keeps going this road, Trump's not going to have to steal anything. He'll win forty states, and people will go, yeah, I don't want to deal with this shit again, but I'm tired of my kid wearing a mask. Uh, but it is fun. It is fun to just throw a picture up there and go, this is, you know, what we just had the mayor of Boston say that, you know, they're not ending mask mandates in Boston because there might be surges coming in the fall and, and winter. And it's like, OK, well, I guess Massachusetts is going to be a red state in two years now. I'm fine with that. Um, and so the, the, the Weingarten Biden photo is one of my favorites because it says so much about, you know, these two and, and who's actually kind of running things and, and running the show. Uh, so I think you guys saw the Weingarten tweet of her saying, I appreciate Chicago public schools holding up their end of the bargain uh, yeah. with us with mask mandates. And this this woman is a fucking mobster. That's her twisting the arm in, in an oh-so-clever way. Um, and, and people, I think, have to realize that this fight is coming. The, the fight with the teachers' unions is coming, and it's not going to come tomorrow. Um, you know, we're you know we're we're a ways down. We're like two seasons of Game of Thrones away from actually seeing this happen. So people need to cool their jets. Um, but it is going to come, and it's going to make it look like what happened at the Wisconsin State Capitol. Cream social. Um, and if you want to talk about, you know, preventing electoral due process, everyone remembers that was kind of the instance that started it when Scott Walker was stripping card check from unions and they stormed the Capitol. And then the, 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 the Wisconsin Dems fled to Illinois or wherever, and they had to go get the marshals to drag their ass back. We're probably going to see that on a national level when Ron DeSantis, you know, introduces uh, a measure that strips, you know, teachers union of funding and, and also, you know, optional membership. And you're going to see such a fucking fight. It's going to look like the Kavanaugh hearings on aid, on just steroids. It's going to be crazy to watch that happen. Right. That, that fight is coming. And so I think there's a lot of people and probably a lot of people even just listening that think it's long overdue. And it's like, yes, let's fucking have this fight. Yes. Yes. We want this fight, you know. And so, like I said, if they want to keep up the shenanigans with the masks and the mandates and not following the science and the old man stumbling around the lawn in his mask. And, you know, I, and I don't think media people understand this because they all agree with him. You know, not a single White House supporter is sitting there going, Mr. President, you're vaxxed. You're triple vaxxed. Why are you wearing a mask? Why are we wearing masks outside? <laughs> And they know that if they ask him this hard question, his eyeball's going to fall out of his head. But this is what I'm saying. People see this. They see just the, just Joe Biden sitting in the Oval Office with a mask dangling off of his ear. Um, and this, just simple optics like this where people are like, we're done with this. We are we are done with this. So and as you saw, you saw reporter Alex Seitzwald today kind of give the game away as far as mask mandates are, which is, you know, they say you start you're starting to now kind of see that. They're getting they're moving away from, you know, Connecticut governor is now saying that, you know, mass mandates were ending. And uh, where else did they end them today? They're, they're New Jersey. On them. New Jersey is right. That's the other one. And you kind of saw now uh, a few reporters, Alex Seitzwald, who I believe is NBC senior digital politics reporter for NBC News, say uh, this seems like the end point of where Dem messaging is heading. The question is how to get there when so many people invested so much and this will feel like an admission of defeat. 
he's giving the game away that this isn't about what's right. It's not about what works and what's right. And is this the right thing to do according to the science and vaccines and kids? It's you're going to look like you, you're going to make DeSantis look like he's right. And that's the issue. And that is, of course, what's going on here. As soon as they strip mask mandates and don't bring them back, you're going to have every red state in this country. You're going to have Abbott in Texas and Nome and DeSantis and a few others just shrug and go, we told you so. And that's going to come right around election year, you know, yeah. in, in 11 months. Good stuff. Thank Thanks, you, Uh, I'm going to take Robert and I'm going to take Joseph and uh, apologies to Matt, Daniel, and whoever else is back there. Uh, but just get here next week and line up and I'll try to get you guys up front. Robert, how are you? Hey, good. couple of things. One, someone was talking about the Twitter. I've been following you for a couple of years and you crack me up all the time. My one thing I always love is your, what the WTF Don, at, and Trudy, tweeting it at Donald Trump. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, we, we all um, miss him in our own little way. <laughs> I mean, I'd sit there and my, I'd show it to my wife all the time. Um, couple of things. One, I'm, I'm a pilot. I fly all over and I've been flying through the whole pandemic and the whole country has shifted mood. It used to be two years ago or a year ago, you'd be in New York. I'd walk into the hotel or whatever without my mask on and they'd be like, oh, put your man throwing a fit. Now all the employees have it down around their face because they have to for their employer, but they're not saying crap to anybody and nobody's wearing them in there. But um, just a sentiment that's shifted. But I was going to also, the thing I was saying is, and I sent this on a message, I don't know if you get them or not, but um, Zucker's going to come back. There's a market, they're not admitting any kind of, these guys have no, like they're saying, introspection. They don't have any desire to, like, they have no scruples either. You put him, I mean, imagine if he went to the, if he went to any news station and had him, you put Donald Trump on one side, Cuomo and anybody else on the, I mean, if he brought that in, they would have everybody tuning in and the money would flow in on the advertising dollars. I mean, he's going to come back somewhere and so will Cuomo. I guess, what do you think, since you know much more, what do you think is his, uh, where will he be in three years? And I'll sign off and listen. Thanks again. Yeah, I don't even know where media is going to be in three years. I don't, I think Zucker's going to take a long vacation. It's possible he gets put in charge of somewhere else um, or at least as an advisor. Certainly, I don't know if he's going to be president of any company because, as I've said, there's there's more to this than just a consensual affair. And I think everybody knows it. There's, you know, was he was he using his power at CNN to influence politics, as, as we've seen a lot of them do? You know, there's the text message of Jake Tapper telling Parnell not to run against his friend, Connor Lamb. Um, there's obviously them coordinating with Michael Cohen and Michael Avenatti and things like this. And that's, that's like I said, this is a PR operation who is out to tell, you know, a story as far as, and not report a story. And so I don't see Zucker coming back to CNN. I think that that's over with. I even think if, if Tapper, Acosta, Selter, and Camarota and others have threatened to walk over this, I think that they would say, okay, we'll replace you. Goodbye. Um, so I don't see Zucker coming back to CNN. And also you have to also understand those people in that industry know way more about what's going on behind the scenes than even you or I do. And I've, I've had little birds tell me things about that's happening inside CNN that uh, I'm, I'm not completely at liberty to reveal because it's just confidence and conversations. Um, I, I can tell you that this is not just about the consensual affair. Um, and so 
networks are real leery about that kind of stuff. They're real leery about, okay, is he going to bring this shit? Is he going to bring this Matt Lauer shit over to us? Is he going to bring this Cuomo shit over to us? Are we going to be dealing with a fallout? Um, I, I think what's going to be interesting is if Zucker himself files a lawsuit against Keelar and, uh, you know, AT&T or Discovery or whomever. Um, because then shit gets really interesting. And then Zucker's like, trust me, I knew I, if you guys think Chris Cuomo knows where bodies are buried, uh, Jeb Zucker's the one who buried them. So I think that that's where things are going to get really interesting is because they basically said Zucker doesn't get a, a, a severance of any kind. He just walked. He's like, you can resign or we can fire you. And I don't think he, you fire someone like Jeb Zucker over the non-disclosure of an affair that everybody around the fucking office knew was happening. I think that there's more going on. As I said last week, uh, the Habibi brothers in Shalah suggested that Zucker might have known about the pedophilia charges with two of these producers and didn't do anything about it. I don't think that that's a conspiracy. I think that that's probably a good chance. And so I, I don't see where he ends up necessarily. He could end up at like some streaming service. He can end up at Apple TV or, or something like that. Um, which is another aspect of this whole thing people aren't talking about, which is CNN Plus was kind of his baby, and now he's gone. Um, so he could end up at like Apple TV or Amazon or some shit like that. That wouldn't sh- surprise me. Um, but that's also not really his field. His field is professional wrestling and, and network TV and trying to get as many eyeballs glued to a car wreck as possible, if not ratings. So I don't know. I don't know where he's going to be in three years. I don't know where any of us are going to be in three years. I couldn't even tell you where Joe Rogan is going to be in three years. Um, but it will be interesting to watch, and it will be a car wreck. Um, I also don't think Chris Cuomo is done. Um, there's now talk that he wants a podcast with his brother, which, okay, that's just CNN again. So I don't know who's going to do that. Um, all right, I'll, I'll take both you guys. Joseph and Matt, you're up. Joseph. Hello, welcome back. Don't know what happened on my end the last time. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't hear you, and I didn't see you talking or whatever. So I, I'm sorry, I kicked you out. Of, yeah. I kicked you out of the bar, but you you can come back if you behave. <laughs> uh, no, uh, my question was going to be about uh, uh, the clip of George Carlin talking about like punching down, punching down comedy. It's something that you see circulated around through like you know left wing Twitter, whatever, talking about like edgy comedy and the first time I remember seeing it was you know the discourse of like uh, Dave Chappelle and they usually use that clip more or less to talk about like in a way of like see Carlin wouldn't be wouldn't be for this type of comedy when in reality they forget that like George Carlin was like an art and free speech like defender um my thing with comedy is I don't care who comedians punch yeah um I I've never this is kind of like the Hannah Gatsbyism of of what's happening on the left in comedy, which is, you know, they, they try to kind of take over an industry. And so you only have to do what we do. We saw this with the NFL and, you know, uh, the NFL is ours now and we're going to kneel and we're, we're getting rid of the Redskins or, or whatever. Um, and that's kind of what they do. And, and part of that Spotify. This is our platform. It's not your platform. This is ours. We Spotify is where I go to listen to Kara Swisher in her podcast and not Joe Rogan. And it's unacceptable. And, you see, you now seeing that with comedians, which is, you know, Dave Chappelle is unacceptable. Joe Rogan's unacceptable. Jimmy Carr is unacceptable. All these people are unacceptable. And, you know, but then it's Hannah Gatsby. Oh, she's great. And I, I look at it, I look at comedy and, you know, this is something that, could, that you, we could probably talk about for an entire hour, which is uh, I don't care who, com- who comedians punch. If it's funny, I don't care. 
Yeah. And this, this Jimmy Carr thing is really interesting. Uh, and I haven't even really delved into the whole thing about it, but um, this like just came out of nowhere. It's just, it's, it's a group of people wandering the countryside, you know, trying to shoot the wounded is, is all it is. That's all that's happening. So I think Charles Cook said it right, where you have people who are going into like YouTube, they're searching a word and a cop and a comedian, then something comes up. And now that person has to be canceled, which was so, it was so crazy to me. And it's why I sat out N word Twitter the whole weekend. Cause I just, I couldn't do it. Um, I saw like the reverse cancellation of Howard Stern, uh, where Howard Stern dressed up as Ted Danson doing blackface. And he does a whole routine and I'm sitting here going, I get why people are doing this, but here's Howard. He's Howard Stern is making fun of Ted Danson here. And Ted Danson's excuse at the time for dressing up as a minstrel, which was, Hey, Whoopi, Whoopi's the one who wrote the joke. So I'm not the racist one here. And right. that's kind of what Howard Stern was doing. Um, I, somebody said on Twitter that the reason why Jimmy Kimmel gets away with it or Howard Stern gets away with it or those people get away with it is because they're basically punching at the right. And as long as you're punching at the right person, they'll forgive you. Joe Walsh is a perfect example of this. You know, a, conser- a conservative radio guy who has said some of the most just kind of outlandish, outrageous things to his audience for years. But now he's woke and he, he's hitting Donald Trump. So now it's OK. Um, and so I get, I get why people are doing this. I get why people are like, Oh, you said N word once too. Um, I, I just, I'm completely disinterested in it. I'm completely removed myself from that, from that conversation pretty much through the whole weekend. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, every, everyone's going to find out someone said N word, whatever, somewhere back in the thing. Like, I think I even had it on my Twitter feed because Obama said it on a podcast with David Axelrod. And that was like a distraction from, uh, some terror attack or something where all the media was focusing on Obama said, Obama said this. And it's like over here, it was like, yeah, that's why he said it. Cause your attention's over here and over here. It's like ISIS just cut off three more heads or something. Um, so I just, I found myself completely disengaged from that whole. Right. And I, I think the worst part about it is that like that clip of car, that was like taken out a, a little bit out of context because like they left the part They're out. They're all where... taken out of context is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of took unless, out the unless it's like, like Michael Richards, like the Michael Richards incident of him going across the stage. That was like one of the earliest things where people had a cell phone video of it. It was blurry and it was like on a razor or something. And then he, I think he went on Letterman with Jerry Seinfeld. And they explained it, and like Michael Richards suffered like no professional consequences over that. It was it was weird. Like they they went on Letterman and they talked about it, and then it was over with. And now Michael Richards is fine, and there hasn't been a single episode of Seinfeld removed over it, and and, and or anything. It's it's crazy how this stuff kind of just works. It's just fucking people are bored. That's that's all right. it is. They get they get the thrill of uh, I caught you, uh, I caught you. And they don't actually give a shit about the context. Like, no, they never. Yeah, though, what's worse is that, like, Twitter incentivizes it, too. And there's, like, not really much you can do about it. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I'm just, I completely, I just completely uh, disengaged myself from N-word Twitter over the weekend. I'm just, just like, haha, this is so stupid. Like, the whole thing is so stupid. It was clearly, a, it was clearly a, an organized hit on Rogan. Uh, somebody asked me yesterday, goes, who do you think organized this? And I and I threw out the White House and people were like, huh? And I'm like, yeah, I think it was I think the White House is probably egging this on or behind it. The Susan Rice did this shit all the time in the Obama administration. And so I, I do. I think it's Jen Psaki and I think it's the Surgeon. I mean, the Surgeon General came out and said it. And when you have 
people in the United States government who are telling Spotify to do more to combat misinformation, do you think that they're just stopping there? Or do you think that they have people behind the scenes digging up these clips and passing them to their buddies at Media Touch or whatever? I mean, it's pretty obvious to me that where this is coming from. That's just me. It might be conspiratorial, um, but this kind of coordinated avalanche of hit does not it, – it, it's, it's, it's an attempted nuking, and it's a very well-organized attempted nuking. I don't see it working right now, um, but it's not an accident that it went from Joe Rogan is doing vaccine misinformation, it's dangerous, to Spotify going, yeah, we're not going to do much about that, to – and he's racist – like that's not an accident that they didn't just leave it alone that they went to joe rogan's racist clips all of a sudden like this is clearly coordinated by someone who has all the power to fucking coordinate things like this that's yeah because uh when i first well when i first saw the clip because like somebody will always like either like you know just dunk on like you know patriots takes and first time i saw it i was like well that's dumb and pretty much just moved on from it never thought it would like turn into like a whole wildfire and then like sort of forcing like Rogan to like get rid of like some of uh, the some of the older episodes from the earlier days of like you know on the podcast and sort of like coming out and making like a I've learned from my days type of apology yeah I know people are upset at that I, I think that this is him just trying to temper it down and do as much so if Spotify ends up dropping him he can say, "Hey, I apologize. I help remove them. I, I, I remove the episodes, and I think that that sets. I think that that you know lays the groundwork for a, a breach of contract. So uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm completely uninterested in the whole thing. Still, Matt, you're gonna fu- you're gonna finish. Good, and you're such a softy, Miller. You should have just fucking hung up on me when you said yeah, it. You weren't gonna take my yeah, call. I'm, I'm a, I'm hey, a man quick, so- of the people. Let's just." I know, dude. Hey, a comment and two two things. I'll be quick. Do you remember when Cuomo faked COVID and then he did like a podcast or or he did like a call-in show and he was having like a, a moment where he's like, I don't want to go back into media. And he was kind of like thinking out loud. Do you remember that? That kind of got totally brushed over. Uh, I know. I know about the, the, the COVID alleged faking. Um, During the alleged faking, I'll (laughs) I'll try to dig it up and I'll share it in the comments here in Patreon. But he basically did a podcast with somebody. He was like, "Yeah, I don't know if I I I kind of remember. I I kind of, I kind of recollect what you're talking about." He was just like, "I'm over this man. I'm over the you know when people were calling him Fredo and everything." And he was just kind of like, "I I just don't know if I want to do this." Yeah, sort of. But you have to imagine it was more than just the Fredo and the faking COVID thing. You have to imagine he knew a bunch of shit like was just wrong. And the second thing, I, I'm not sure if you talked about it earlier, but you haven't mentioned John Malone at all. And he's the guy that has now bought, uh, I don't know the the parent company or if it's discovery or whatever, but he's basically now in charge of CNN and the details on John Malone. It's no secret that he is a conservative. He's kind of a no nonsense guy. He wants to bring CNN back into just doing straight news. Um, there was some chatter that he had a say in the firing of Stealth of uh, uh, of, um, what's his face. Yeah. And it will be interesting and just kind of hear if you kind of get more into it, like down the road, but if he just kind of like neuters the white house and left leaning or, or left leaning politicians and says, yeah, you don't have access to my media room anymore. We're going to do straight news. We're going to talk to you guys like on the record, so to speak, but it's not going to be this weird like footsie with 
the fucking White House and the host of the eight o'clock news um, on CNN. So it'd be interesting to see what he does because he was a Trump supporter and now he's come in, taking the whole thing over and he watched what CNN did to Trump for the last five, six years. And, and maybe he's just like, yeah, maybe this is like a, his mini revenge. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think these guys pretty much first and foremost care about ratings and money and investment. So if if what they're doing is working, then they'll stick with it. Uh, I did see his comments about, you know, wanting to go back to straight news and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, that just it, it really depends on how they look at things. Like I said, if that's your if that's your goal, you're going to be you're going to have to get rid of about half of CNN's lineup. Um, I, I don't see anything wrong with them doing commentary at night like, you know, Fox does commentary at night. What's interesting is Fox is somehow singled out for what they do when MSNBC does it. And I mean, MSNBC is fucking commentary all day now. Um, and so CNN is, you know, they have the exact rivals. You have Don Lamon versus Tucker. You have Chris Cuomo versus Sean Hannity or whatever like that. And for some reason, CNN, I, I think even Brian Stelter said that uh, – Don Lamont is a straight news show, which it, you can't you can't laughably say uh, with a straight face unless you apparently work for CNN or whatever. I think even Oliver Darcy said Don Lamont is a straight news show, and you just you have to laugh at this and go, "What fucking reality are you guys living in?" Um, so I, I really don't know if they were smart. Like I said, I think Jelani had a really good point. If they were smart, they would just tune CNN to C- CNN International for three weeks and then come back with you know uh, just a retooled. Uh, format where maybe from the hours of three to six Eastern, you just get a new show and maybe you rotate hosts and maybe you have some commentary like Fox does in there. Um, but maybe that's what you do. The thing is, is they just, they're trying to copy what Fox news does. And if you're going to try and copy what Fox news does, people are just going to go watch Fox news. It's just that simple. And I don't really, I don't really see watch Fox news a ton. I, I watch Brett Baer. Just for that reason, just because I want to get some news, that's it. But I generally already know what he's going to report on because I'm in this stupid industry as it is. Um, so, again, like I said, for all the hits on Fox, CNN, you can't point to the Brett Bayer at MSNBC. You can't point to the Brett Bayer of CNN. They think it's Nicole Wallace and they think it's, you know, Jake Tapper, but it just it isn't. And anyone with a, a set of eyes and ears know that it's not. So, I mean, I don't know. Um I think getting rid of Zucker is a good thing, not just for CNN. I think it's a good thing for the fucking country. This guy is a cancer. When the, when you see people fighting on Twitter every day or or whatever, or people, fuck you, you listen to Fox, you phone news, or or then people are like, you know, posting pictures of Brian Seltzer's face on a potato. Jeff Zucker revels in this shit. He loves it. That's all he wants. He just wants the train wreck. Because he knows that Americans love to tune into train wrecks. And whether or not it's his network or not is not completely beside the point. Jeff Zucker had said a while back that he said he doesn't really pay attention to ratings. He, as long as people are talking about what's on CNN, that's all he cares about. And people like that's when Jim Acosta goes and calls, you know, Tucker Carlson a, a bullshit factory or whatever. That trends on Twitter and people are talking about CNN. And it's really that simple with him. Um, that's that's kind of all he's cared about. He took kind of something that should be a public service where we, we should be able to know what's going on as straight down the middle as possible. Not We're not going to report on border crossings because it's going to hurt Joe Biden. Well, if it's going to hurt Joe Biden, then Joe Biden should probably change his fucking policy. 
that should that should be straight news reporting, which is here's what's happening. We don't care who it affects. We don't care if you know Hunter Biden's laptop is dropped two weeks before the election, and that might cost Joe Biden the election because it looks like Hunter Biden is a compromised tool of Russia and China. Well, we can't do four more years of Trump. Just block the story. And that's where they're at. And that's why Joe Rogan has millions of listeners. And that's why CNN can't break 500,000 a night. So uh, I, I don't I don't really know um, where they go from here. But it's 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 going to be in- interesting and fun to watch. And it's going to it's even more fun kind of watch Brian Stelter flailing around trying to, you know, this is only about two people having sex or, or something when everybody knows it's not so. Um, I'm going to wrap things up. Sorry, I, sorry, I kicked you off, Daniel. Uh, Daniel, come back next week. I'll make sure you're kind of towards the front. Um, this is a good chat. This is fun. Um, you guys all had good thoughts uh, today. Um, obviously, I'm going to keep looking. I don't really have a topic for for next week, uh, but we'll kind of look at you know some more on this, some more on uh, Joe Rogan, which I'm assuming is going to go into its third week or until he gets kicked off of Spotify. It's going to be one of those two things. So once again, thanks everyone for coming in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for participating. Um, you know, as I say on my podcast, uh, it's it's way more interesting with more voices, not just mine. And I'd rather kind of hear from you guys than bringing in, a, you know, another verified blue check to kind of lecture you all. That's not kind of what I want to do. So um, I try to get as many, many thoughts of you guys as possible. So once again, thanks. Thanks for joining. Uh, I will have a podcast tomorrow. Uh, at uh, Patreon, and then I'm also going to be doing a piece on um, what's happening at the uh, the games in China right now. So that should that should increase my my standing for assassination by the Chinese government here shortly. So keep an eye out for that. Um, as obvious, uh, Stephen I'm Miller, you can get me at Red Steez on Twitter, obviously. And um, this is Versus Media Live on Call In, and this episode will be available to listen back if, if you miss anything or if you want to go back and if you want to hear your own voice, uh, which is not something I recommend, um, you can certainly go and do that as well. So thanks, everyone. Probably be uh, back doing the same bat time uh, Monday, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern, and uh, we'll see how long if we can go a little bit longer next week. Cheers. Take care.